0: This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Welcome, everybody, to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman, and I'm so excited to have with me today my good friend and clinical psychologist expert, Dr. Jackie Vorpal. I invited Dr. Vorpal on today because, as you know, I'm passionate about teaching people how to improve their daily habits and how to establish a healthy lifestyle. And I know a lot of people listening are parents and parents are really worried about our kids. And parents are thinking a lot, not only about our own healthy habits, but also we're trying to teach our kids how to um, develop their own healthy habits. And so I thought it'd be really great to bring in the experts so we could hear more about that. So welcome, Jackie.
1: Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to see you again. And I just, I'm excited to talk with your audience about, you know,
0: parenting and how kids are doing today. I know you're going to have a lot to teach us. So thank you so much. So let me start by telling everyone a little bit more about you. Dr. Jackie Vorpal is a clinical psychologist and has a master's in marriage and family therapy. And she currently works at LifeStance Health in the Massachusetts location where she is the Medfield Psych Director. She owned Vorpal Psychology Associates, a group practice for 16 years, and is the founder of Mind Out and developer of. A mindfulness and self-regulation app for children called Chill Out. I'm excited for you to tell us more about that because it's such an amazing app. She also has worked with her colleagues to develop an empirically supported group treatment program called a Yoga Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Teens, which is used in many outpatient treatment centers, yoga centers, schools, and taught to clinicians worldwide. And Jackie has spent the past two and a half decades working with individuals expressing dissatisfaction or stress, anxiety, unhappiness, or lack of meaning in their life. She's helped thousands of individuals and families to overcome their obstacles, face their setbacks, and develop internal resources to bring them better contentment. I'll have to add that Jackie has been my top referral option whenever there is someone who needs help with their kids or some parenting help. Jackie's always the first person that I think of because I know she has the answers and will be so helpful. Jackie's super passionate about empowering people who have encountered a toxic workplace and career setbacks and is just really talented and knowledgeable in the field of psychology. So welcome again, Jackie. Um, So, How are you? And tell us a little bit about how things are going at work and what you've been up to lately.
1: Well, first of all, I want to thank you for your kind words. I mean, it really means a lot coming from you, Carol. So um, well, you know, it has been a stressful time for everybody. And, you know, as a psychologist, you know, we are going through a lot of these challenges right along with our patients. And um, so You know, it has been a tricky balance uh, to, you know, be present and to be helpful, you know, to parents and kids alike. You know, which brings me to that is one of the things that we can give our kids is our presence and, you know, that ability to remain calm while not knowing necessarily what's going to happen next, you know. So, um, but kids are struggling. I am noticing that, you know, they're struggling to connect. They're struggling to learn and how to cope because many of their coping strategies accessible right now.
0: Mm -hmm. So what would you say the ratio is? I mean, everybody's situation is so different right now. Um, where would you say the balance lies between how many kids are, Kind of managing with all this remote learning and how many kids are really struggling?
1: That's a great question because, you know, I have a skewed population right because True. people are coming to me because they're struggling right True. I will say introverted kids are probably managing better because schedules are slowed down you know they have more time to kind of do things on their own they don't have the pressure of doing and being involved in activities that's a great where, point mm-hmm. and um and then Kids that are more extroverted or more social, I think, are struggling more because they're feeling that isolation and loneliness, or they could be feeling left out because we have established these pods and parents are feeling comfortable being in this pod with this family, which may make other kids feeling, you know, excluded or confused, if not understanding, like, why not me?
0: Mm hmm. Oh my gosh. So complicated. I mean, the the social dynamics are hard enough for just the kids to navigate. And now you add this whole other layer of parents interfering in ways where they're not, maybe not always, um, especially at the high school level in terms of dictating which families you can um, spend time with and which families you can't. That's so challenging.
1: Right. Yeah. And even for high schoolers, um, Understanding how family values are really emerging and coming up in more clarity than ever of, you know, I I have a parent that's compromised and I want to see my friends, but I'm worried I'm going to get my parents sick. I don't know what to do. And, um, you know, that's very real. You know, the increase in anxiety regarding health concerns Mm -hmm. is really on the rise. And uh, for good reason, you know, many times, but then being able to um, help kids assess, you know, what do you have control over? And, you know, what do you need to let go of in order
0: to enjoy, you know, what's in front of you? Yeah. So on top of everything, kids (laughs) are faced with these almost ethical dilemmas that they haven't had to, you know, do I choose my parent's safety over my own social needs or do I choose my own needs? That's also super hard for kids to have to face.
1: Right. It's so true. Right. And then if we have kids that are, um, you know, susceptible to, you know, sadness or isolation or depressive symptoms, then we're seeing more lack of motivation, more of I don't really know what I'm doing here. I don't know what direction to go. And it's really hard to engage. So that's also emerging uh, for, you know, many of uh, my patients and the patients of my colleagues.
0: Yeah, what I've noticed, you know, I don't work with kids. I only work with adults in my psychology practice. Um, But my take on it is that the themes that were prevalent pre-COVID tend to be the themes that people are struggling with during covid so if you were someone who had a lot of anxiety about health um health risks then that's the part of all of this that you tend to focus in on or if you're someone who tends to worry a lot about money then you're really focusing in on the economy and job security and so i'm seeing a lot of parallels do you see that in kids too
1: Absolutely. Yes. So especially with um, obsessive compulsive symptoms, Mm -hmm. you know, kids that may have their anxiety manifested in, you know, controlling things that has we've seen an increase in that of really trying to, you know, manage
0: things through compulsions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or obsessive thinking. Yeah, it makes sense that we use the tools, whatever tools you had before you rely on when things get really hard, you kind of go to the tools that you know.
1: Exactly. And I think because there has been more downtime that some people can dwell Right. And so if we dwell, we're kind of chasing those thoughts that are not helpful for us rather than shifting into thinking about something else that we would rather think about. But here we are dwelling because it's not that we have to go to soccer practice and we have to push that aside and um, get our soccer cleats on and head out the door. We're you know, we're just there having the time. And so some kids can have a really hard time. shifting and that can lead into, you know, numbing, which could be screen time, could be binging on Netflix, could be eating, you know, it could be a lot of things that we as adults also engage in. Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's talk about screen time. What are you hearing from parents? I think I know the answer, but what are you hearing from parents in terms of kids and screen time?
1: A lot of screaming. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, but it's frustrating, you know, a lot of frustration and a lot of um, uncertainty, you know, balancing out, you know, is this social, is this for schoolwork, you know, what else do they have to do, Um, so I think it's really difficult because we do have to balance all those things out and there isn't a recipe or an equation to follow. It's really about assessing wellness for your child, Mm -hmm. right? You know, is your child sleeping well, you know, are they getting enough sleep? Um, You know, are they able to get off the uh, screen time when you're asking, you know, you know, maybe with some prompts, but it's not leading to irritability or anger or these outbursts. So, you know, really tuning into what's going on with your child to be able to set, you know, limits or boundaries that you can follow through with. I think that's the other piece that our parents are exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, it's hard to follow through with, boundaries that we set or they feel bad about it so then they kind of let it go Mm -hmm. um but one thing that i say to parents all the time are boundaries are kind you know
0: that's good
1: yeah because you know if you know where you stand you feel better Mm -hmm. there's more safety and security in that and so uh if you're concerned about your kid's safety on uh, social media or their technology use, then that's important for you to listen to and to think about what are boundaries that are going to set my kid up for success. Mm -hmm.
0: And are you hearing that, that parents are shifting the boundaries that were in place pre COVID?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think people are learning how to adapt and be flexible and I think it's important to talk to your kids about that, about saying, you know, I'm really happy you're FaceTiming with your friends. You know, you seem uh, happier, you know, when, you know, after you've had those conversations, those sorts of things, um, rather than the passive um, social media where you're just scrolling. Mm. You know, so there's a real difference in how passive interaction with social media versus active interaction with
0: social media. I never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of laughable. I know in my house, there was a time when we had this two hour time limit on screens and that's so laughable now because there's just no way that that's going to be enforced. But I like this idea of um, thinking about, you know, is there time on screens Active or passive, or maybe independent versus group, but also just looking at the individual kid. And maybe parents can give us ourselves a little bit of a break and say, okay, maybe this two hour rule or whatever you had, you know, doesn't apply now, but you can still look for different signs to help guide you in defining what that boundary is for your kid. You know, does your kid thrive when they're playing, when they have you know, time to play video games with their friends and they're being social and they're being animated and they have a chance to yell and scream and, you know, kind of move about and really get into the game in a positive way, you know. Um, But to gauge how is that having an effect on your kid or do you, like you said, do you notice that it leads to problems when you ask them to get off, that they're angry and irritable, that there's no one recipe or, you know, one boundary that's necessary for all kids, that everybody is different and maybe it's okay to, um, to, to soften the boundaries or to become more flexible with the boundaries that you once had, because now their options are different, but you can still monitor for the signs that tell you, is this boundary during COVID okay or not?
1: Absolutely. And I love what you said about giving yourself a break. That is so true. You know, we have got to give ourselves a break because we also want to model that for our children that you know they need to give themselves a break when you know things aren't going exactly how they've hoped or they're you know how to roll with disappointment. So yeah and I think one thing that I think is doable with screen time and and managing social media is having some routines, right? So you know you can, you know, your phone is awake at a certain time and your phone goes to sleep at a certain time right? And not having kids sleep with their phones in their room. Um, And yeah, I know that's a hard one because our kids are going to say, right? Like, I need it for my alarm. I like to listen to music and all that. And you have to assess your own child, honestly. But I will say, you know, sleep is huge. And sleep disturbances often get... Misconstrued for anxiety, ADHD, you know, depression. So it, it that is one thing that we as parents can be clear, you know, to set a clear boundary. Also at dinner time or at meal time, maybe even at um, homework time, if it's becoming a distraction, to just say, you know, homework time, your you know, your phone is gonna you know live here. And, um, you know, you can check on it, uh, you know, when you have a break. So but it's it's really thinking about it in those ways rather than managing like 30 minutes here, 15 minutes here, an hour here, which really becomes not really doable, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's not useful at, at a certain point. Maybe when they were little, um, it kind of worked. When you could you could quantify, you know, two hours of shows, or you know, because that meant maybe four half hour shows or something like that. But now it's just that method doesn't really feel quite right. But you know what drives me crazy is the the fact that now not not one screen is now not enough. Now they need two, so they can't just watch TV. Now they have to watch TV and have their phone at the same time, And that drives me really crazy. And I think it's the saddest thing that um that one show isn't enough stimulation, you know, or one activity isn't enough stimulation that they feel this pull to do too. And I know we do too, as an adult. we do absolutely it it is really hard, and I teach this all the time in my time management classes, the, this idea of, focusing on one thing at a time. And I, I know I do it, you know, I'm working, maybe I'm working on a document, but I just feel this pull to check something like this need for a little dopamine hit or something. And it's so sad. And I see it in the kids all the time. And in my house, I really try to limit that and say, you know, like, if I'm going to watch a movie with you, the phones are down and we are not going to be multitasking like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Myself included. <laughs> right. And I'm, I mean, I think, you know, if we're setting Bounds for our kids, we need to think about, are those good boundaries for ourselves too? And they can be really tough. And, and by experiencing that, we have more empathy for our children of how hard it is to put it down or, or what that strong pull
0: is. Yeah. Um, so true that, that we, when you see it in your kids, it can make you feel really agitated, but we have to really be honest and say that we're just as guilty about a lot of the same bad habits. Um, Mm -hmm. So, we really, really have to model what we're asking them to do.
1: Yeah. And we can also model good habits too, right? So, some things that we can model because we are a little more around, even if we're working from home, we're still a little more around. You know, we can model good habits like setting up text reminders so your kid remembers, you know, something that's coming up or, how to use an online calendar. Our kids are so tech savvy, but using them in ways that are organizing and helpful regarding remembering things and getting yourself going. Typically they're not being used to that way. So yeah. we can also help our kids learn how to do a checklist and, you know, that sort of thing because When we are multitasking on several different screens, we can become overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and we start getting revved up and we may not even notice that until, you know, we're not able to focus on one thing.
0: And Uh, yeah, I love that teaching them these life skills, um, Mm -hmm. that we probably would be less likely, you know, when life is, is so busy and we're running off in other directions, that's not necessarily the top priority, but when we're home and the pace is slower. And I, I know in my house, I have a little bit more of a window into what's going on with my kids. So I have more of a chance to say, Oh, like, just like you said, you know, we were talking about, um, Asking the guidance counselor a question and he kept forgetting. I said, "Oh, you know, do you want to set yourself a reminder so you'll remember tomorrow? And it's really great to be able to teach them those little habits that we might not really have our eyes open to otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm. Or a family calendar, you know, an online family calendar to know like, hey, this is going on and and everybody is aware Versus the paper one that's in our kitchen, right? Um, we can have both. Those are both great, but it's it's teaching those tools that can really um, help them
0: later on. Yeah. All right. So what would you say if you had to think about, you know, I'm all about healthy habits, right? So if you had to think about maybe the top three habits that we can teach our kids in the circumstances that we're in right now, you know, and I, you know, I hope and I pray that things are starting to get better as we record this today. It's March Um, but you know, we see that the light is at the end of the tunnel and spring is nearby and it's so exciting. So I know things are going to start to change, but in the world that we're in today, what are some top habits that you recommend that we can teach our kids?
1: Well, one top habit is the power of listening. Really listening to our children, you know, giving them our full presence, even if it's scheduling them in on our to do list for five minutes a day that is so powerful and our children will be able to count on that and know they're going to have you know that one-on-one time that is uninterrupted our phone is not going to be present you know tv's not going to be on we're not going to be scrolling facebook or anything like that so i think
0: really the power of active listening and really listening would be my number one on our part. So that's so interesting because I was expecting that you were going to tell us something about them, but really the top thing comes from us is what is the gift that we give them our habit of putting everything else down and being present and giving them our time and focus is going to be one of the greatest things we can do to help them, you know, kind of set themselves on the right course.
1: And also giving ourselves that break as far as knowing it doesn't have to be four hours a day. Five minutes is enough. We have so much research on this that if we give our children five minutes a day, decreases aggressive behavior. It increases focus. It increases empathy and compassion. You know, there's so many benefits to that. And so just putting that on our to-do list,
0: we can do that. That is wild. Five minutes a day, five mm-hmm. minutes can have just, that kind of impact. hmm yeah. So I have to give a little plug um, because one of the things I'm trying to teach it, people is how to automate as many mm-hmm. things as they can in your life. So I can imagine one reaction might be, oh my gosh, now that's another thing I have to add on my to-do list is now I have to carve out five minutes for each kid. And of course, everybody I know would want to, but it, the have to comes from not how we feel about our kids, but it just comes from the time pressures that we're facing. But I'm thinking that if you can create rituals with your kids, then it's going to become more automatic and you won't have to think, you know, about did I get my five minutes in today, it'll just be something that you do like I'll give you a really good example. Um, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for saying this, but I have this little roller that I use. I don't know. It has some kind of benefits, like it stimulates the lymph system. So you roll it, it's a jade stone and you roll it on your face. And my son found that and he really likes it. He finds it very relaxing. So now he has this new thing that he wants me to give him a massage every night and use this little roller. And, it's like five minutes, you know, it takes five minutes, but it's now it's built into our schedule because we're brushing our teeth. And this is what I do after I brush. And so then after I use it, then I go in his room and give him a little massage and it's doing just what you said. It's giving us that five minutes. And I think secretly he just really likes that time together. It's quiet time. There's no phone and you know, we can chat and and it's just us. So I think you're totally right. I'm seeing that in my house.
1: Hmm. And I love that example. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. It's really just about connecting. And if you think about when you're really connecting and listening to someone, you feel better, yeah. right? Everything in your world is still the same. But in that moment in time, there's just this, Sounds and terrible. we And we see that in our brain, you know, our amygdala, which is our little fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain. When we are connecting, it feels safe and it gives us that chance to just kind of have that let down experience. And I love the example that you give because you're not teaching anything. You're not trying to fix anything. You're not trying to make anything better. You're just being with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And that just happened organically. So that's kind of, kind of funny. Um, okay. So that's one thing, one habit that we create together with our kids, which is really then the gift to our kids, um, is having time together, focus time, small amount of time. What else would you put on the list?
1: So my number one thing for kids would be movement. Mm. So many, so especially during COVID, I would say lack of movement has really crept up. Um, And what happens when we're not moving is we get this nervous energy stored up in our mind and our body. And when we move our body, we change our thoughts. And so many times we dwell. I think I said that earlier, right? We can dwell and we can get stuck in our thoughts. And we start chasing those thoughts that we actually don't want to be thinking about, which create these negative emotions as well. And when we move our body, we actually can shift those things without trying to change our thoughts. So if somebody says, think positively, oh, just think that is just going to escalate that person. Because clearly, if I could just think positively and not be thinking about this, I clearly would. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But, you know, moving our body, that really does something huge. And that could be, you know, walking your dog. It could be, you know, uh, doing some pushups, do a plank. It could be anything. It, and it doesn't have to be anything huge. Uh, it's just movement. It could be just sitting up straight, pulling your shoulders back and um, just, you know, changing that posture changes how our brain is, um, is getting the messages from our body. So that would be my number one.
0: That's so fascinating that you, by changing your body's movement, you change your thoughts. I wonder if this is related. Someone once explained this to me. Um, at the time, I didn't know a whole lot about yoga. I still don't know a whole lot, but I do it. (laughs) Um, and he said to me that when you're in the downward dog position, you know, we spend all this time upright, upright and our blood flow is going in the same direction and by virtue of just being in downward dog for a couple of minutes you're changing up the blood flow and that has a really positive effect on you and so that alone would you agree like just that alone being inverted um, can be really helpful
1: yeah so you know back in the day when i had kids coming to my office i i have a wall that has nothing on it and sometimes i would the kids would just uh put their feet up on the wall. Right.
0: That's another one. Yeah.
1: You know, and so that is just, you know, it's just kind of mixing it up. It's stirring up your nervous system, you know, because your nervous system is getting stuck and you want to shift it. You want to move it. And, you know, we can also think about, uh, you know, food, what we put in our body is super important and water is super important. So, if we're dehydrated, we have a lot of negative things that go on in our mind and our body. So, just drinking enough water a day, mm-hmm. hydrating is huge.
0: So, interesting to me that these lifestyle behaviors are appearing top on your list. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, time together with a parent, movement hydrating, paying attention to the foods that are going in your body. Do you have one more to give us?
1: Um, I guess the last one that I would say is also for parents too, is to really take their emotional temperature.
0: Parents or kids emotional
1: temperature? Well, parents, we have to start with our parents because Mm -hmm. if we are in the red zone And we're expecting our child to think through something and we are agitated. Maybe we're yelling, maybe, you know, we are icing them out, you know, um, they cannot be in a higher brain state than we are. So for us to be able to say, is this life or death? Do I need to deal with this right now? And about 98% of the time, it isn't life or death. And if it is, you're going to be dealing with it anyway. You know, you're going to to be go time, right? You're not going to think about it. So you may, so that's your chance to pause and get down into that green zone or get into the green zone where you can think clearly where all of your brain is working together, that emotional part, that rational part, and then you can proceed. And you can notice that in your child too. If they're in the red zone, that is not the time to be problem solving. It is not the time to be talking things out. It's not the time to really be doing much except helping them have some space and to be get to a calmer place so they can get into that green zone. So we're going to be monitoring the yellow zone, right? So the yellow zone, we can either flip up to the red or go to the green, right? And so it's being able to take that emotional temperature of ourselves and our kids. When we're in the green zone, we are going to be much better equipped at managing whatever is coming our way.
0: So I imagine if people are hearing that for the first time that one of the first thoughts, because I know that I've experienced this too, as a parent, um, when your kid is in the red zone and they're doing all sorts of things that basically, you know, violate the, you know, the expectations of the house, like they're swearing, they're yelling, they're kicking, they're doing whatever you want to respond to that. You know, like it makes you so mad. You want to respond to that. And from what you're saying it's really not effective. Like you can do that. You know, there can be consequences and you can respond. But in that moment, you're just going to feed the fire. You're going to fuel the fire if you're getting in there at the same time when they're in the red zone. And you recommend letting them cool off, separate, like don't respond to what they're saying and doing, unless someone's unsafe, of course. Um, But let them cool off and then go back and address what went on.
1: Yes. Do I have that right? You do but I'm going to add one more thing to it because you're not, this isn't going to be a secret of how you're going to be dealing with your child, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to set the stage like, Hey, I've learned something. And I thought this was super interesting and I'm going to be paying attention to this. So, you know, if I'm, I'm like out of control, yelling and screaming, you may say, this isn't really productive, (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know, and I'm going to say that for you too. And what that means is we we need to both have some space and get to a better brain state so we can solve this problem together
0: so good. it's so it's so true that when one or two people are in the red zone, nothing productive is going to happen
1: yeah that's that's when we start saying okay your phone is away for one day okay (laughs) now it's a week now it's a month no more netflix you know and it's like okay how in the world am i really gonna follow through with that right because i will lose my mind trying to do that so um it's really being able to you know be true to yourself because when you're in that green zone uh there still may be consequences that come for sure, um, but they're going to be consequences that are relevant to helping your child learn what needs to
0: be learned. And chances are when they're in the red zone, throwing out those consequences, like there's one more day, another day, it's not going to change the behavior in the moment.
1: Yeah. You're Go just ahead.
0: I don't care. Yeah you just dig yourself into a hole. So you're really Mm -hmm. better off kind of taking a step back, letting everybody cool down and then try to readdress it. Mm
1: -hmm. And I do want to say one thing that parents have told me, um, quite often is, um, understanding that the red zone, uh, they always thought about it as being angry or, you know, frustrated or something like that. Never really thinking about it as those behaviors that you ice your kid out or you have a cold shoulder or something like that, that, you know, um, that, that is also, uh, that red
0: zone as well. Yeah. Ooh, that's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. Yeah. Um, Okay, if you had to pick of these amazing strategies that we talked about, if you had to pick one strategy that you think, you know, if you can, we're dealing with so much, if you can only focus on one thing to try to help your kid through all of these COVID related challenges and beyond, what would you say is the one habit you'd want to help them with? Connecting.
1: Connecting. Mm -hmm. So it's the power of listening, because you're going to teach them the power of listening, and then they're going to carry that over to their peers and their teachers, and then they're going to feel connected. And when we are connected, we're more content. Mm
0: -hmm. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) I'll end with this. I love to share. So I I, I read a lot of books. Um, I've read some really amazing ones in the past couple of years on personal development. And one of my favorites is The, uh, the Five Love Languages. Oh, me too. I love it. So um, they have, um, well, I don't know. If I, yeah, there's a book for kids and there's a quiz um, that you can give to your kids. And without getting us totally off track, I'll just try to summarize. But it basically... Ask your kids, what what's their preferred way that they want someone else to show love to them? And then what is their natural inclination for how they want to show love to others? And it may be totally different from you as a parent. And so I gave my kids these quizzes and I was really, really surprised. And so one of mine chose, it was quality time together was his love language. And I didn't know that. And that was really powerful. And it really speaks to exactly what you're talking about.
1: Yeah. I love that. And you can go online and take that quiz. It's yeah. also great for your couple as well. Yes.
0: Yes. That's a whole nother conversation too. Yeah. But I had to give it a little plug as we're talking about, um, that language of quality time together. It can really mm-hmm. be powerful. So, mm-hmm.
1: and oh. also some people are, um, you know, words of affirmation. hmm and you know, so if I'm not a big words of affirmation person, I, it may not be top of mind to be giving words of affirmation, and that may be your kid's, you know, sweet spot. And right. so understanding that just helps you communicate so much better,
0: so true, so true. I, it, who's the author? the love languages um can't remember. It starts with a G, uh, Gary. Well, okay. I'm not going to do it justice. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I don't see it. So (laughs) anyway, go, go find it. The five love languages. Um, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, Jackie, I want to thank you so much. I know you've given me a lot to think about as a parent and I am sure people listening are probably taking notes and are going to go back to these recommendations that you had. They're so valuable. So thank you so much for being on with us today. And if anyone wants to find you, if they want to get more information, if they have questions for you, if they want to reach out to you, where can people find you?
1: Well, I'm at Life Stance Health and I'm doing parenting groups ongoing. So I do have openings regarding that. Um, but also, you know, if you're interested in helping your kids learn some strategies. Uh, I have an app for kids that are like two to eight years old. It teaches five uh, coping strategies and you can do it with your kids. And the whole goal is that they're going to learn these strategies and you can just say, hey, this is a great time for Bella breathing. And do it. Um, and that can help kids go from the red zone down to the yellow zone into the green zone. But it's best to catch them in the yellow zone. Um, and fill out. So it's uh, with a Z. Can you spell C- it again? Yeah. So it's C-H-I-L-L-O-U-T-Z. Okay. And you can get it on Apple. Uh, and um, Yeah. So that would be the best, you know, thing that to, you know, be able to access some quick strategies.
0: I love it. I love it. It's a great app. I've used it. It's really clever and really user-friendly. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Thank you again for being here and everybody I'll see you next week on the next episode. Have a good one. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you love today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.